begin transmission. We made it here. This is Outer Rim Transmission, episode 132. Tonight, we are talking a little about rumors, a little bit about uh, discussion. If The Mandalorian Season 4, should it be a movie? Should it be just a regular order of a series? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some publishing updates. We're going to be talking about just, you know, our week in Star Wars. We're going to come back to it because Milton has returned. So it's great to see him back. Me, Milton, Ben, good old times. We're back to it again for a penultimate episode of the season or of the year, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know what season it would be for Outer Rim Transmission. But anyway, how's it going, Milton? I'm good, man. Uh, it's glad, I'm glad to be back on the podcast. These last couple weeks have been crazy busy. Obviously, the last two weeks because of the Eagles playing at 4.30 and our games are, you know, way too late. But, um... Obviously, the holiday break before that with Thanksgiving. So this time of the year is always busy for me and my family, but it's nice to be back on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Ben, how's it going? Good, good, man. It's going good. Just had a little family Christmas over the weekend on my mom's side. That was a good time. Got some got some new workout clothes, which is always nice. You know, love to get that get that gym apparel. That's always always my family's default um, gift to get me is workout equipment, workout clothing. So got some nice new Under Armour threads, and now I, uh, I yeah, I'm good to go there. And and then you know didn't really have a crazy uh, week in Star Wars over here. Um, other than I was gonna say since we're you know getting close to the holiday season and wrapping up the year and stuff, I figured I'll show you guys since we're all three on the podcast now. So I back over the summer, you guys might have remembered me hinting at getting something. Well, for all oh, of our yeah. Legends yep, for all Legends fans out there, as well as just Star Wars fans in general who know this character, I ended up finding off of an auction website um, an authentic a, a Mara Jade lightsaber hilt. And oh my gosh, here's, here's the really awesome thing about this. And you know, this is this is it, it's a cool story that this is like it's a really unique saber at that. Like you know, you can see the design; it's modeled after the character and everything. But the really cool part about it is it comes with this little um this little autograph panel, autograph autograph card. And it's like in a it's like a little um almost like in a trading card esque um thing. Well anyways, so this autograph, you know, people might be wondering who is it? Like because the thing is Mara Jade was never on screen. She was only on the covers of the books, she was on um, the original like Star Wars trading card game back in the day, and it's actually an autograph, an autographed special saber from Shannon McRandall. She's she's the original model for Mara Jade, and the cool thing about this this saber in general is it's a unique saber. It's a one of five hundred, I believe. Wow! Because yeah, so so that's why I had to jump on it when I saw it. It's like a one of 500 because she teamed up. She uh, partnered with a Sabre company back in uh, 2014, I believe, or 2015, somewhere in that range to, you know, partner and make these these Mara Jade inspired Sabres because, you know, she she fought. She fell under like some health conditions like, um you know, and she had to like go through it. Was, she, she went to some form of cancer, I believe. And she, uh, you know, she was doing it to like raise money and raise awareness and stuff. So she partnered with a saber company and like, you know, they made it exclusive because these sabers came with the autograph 
and you know the autographed saber and you know like i said it's like a one of 500 so like of course i could have went back and gotten like the original um the original lightsabers what's the original company from like back in the day uh, master replica i could have i could have went and got like a master replica version of her saber that's out there because you know they made they made only a certain amount of those i think they made like five thousand of that model but this like i said is a one of 500 model and it like instead of it just being like a basic product you know pushed out by by lucasfilm at the time you know this one like has a good meaning behind it because like you know it was autographed by the model that played mara and it had like you know a good story behind it so i was like i have to jump on that opportunity and you know that's what made me get it and it came in this like wow. you know nice box to just you know it's like a nice little almost like saber storage box so yeah that's that was kind of like my long weekend not really week in star wars but build up to a week in star wars from clear back this summer in the summer yeah no that is really sick you don't see I don't even know about any Legends hilts you could buy, any Legends lightsabers or anything like that. Um, yep. It's just, I mean, I'm not looking hard enough, obviously, but, I mean, officially, I don't think they're made, but, yeah, that is that is neat, and only 500, that is. Man, I mean, we, we talk about, or at least I talk about maybe on another podcast, about the Stellan Geos High Republic lightsaber. There was, like, one in, it was, like, 5,000 made, and that got sold out so quickly, so it's... There's a big market for these exclusive items, and yeah, it looks like the presentation is fantastic. Uh, you got yep. just the whole story behind me. The model is really neat. Uh, that's it's interesting. It's like this thing lost in time, or it's like this this could have yeah. been a live action actress, or yeah. so, this could have well, been a live action character, maybe at some point. But I don't know because yeah. Lucas did hate the character of Mar Jade, so probably not. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I know. Well, here's the, here's the really cool part about about that uh, Mar Jade lightsaber. So when I like was looking into it and everything, of course, like some interviews with Shannon McRandall popped up. And the cool thing about this, I think it was just a podcast with um i think you and me were on it i think it was when milton was actually on vacation um this past summer but um so basically the really um cool story about that milton is like you know shannon randall like had actually a um and big interaction with mark hamill so like there's a picture that's out there it's only there's only one picture of it but there's a picture of mark and and um shannon randall's basically back at like one of the really early celebrations, it was like celebration like 2000 or 2001 or something or 02. And when they, when, you know, obviously Mark was way younger than 20 some years younger and Shannon McRandall was only in her twenties. And what they did was she was there with the star Wars trading card game. And she actually was dressed up in the full Mara Jade outfit with the lightsaber everything and you know she had like an escort of like cosplayers wow. as stormtroopers and they had mark hamill up on stage and they were like you know so mark uh uh you know what would what would we tell you if like luke had a wife or anything and huh. uh mark and mark was like you know what do you mean like you know he has a wife and they're like well it's after return of the jedi blah 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 like all this stuff and you know what would you what would we what would your reaction be like if she was here in the audience? You know it was like the whoever the host was for celebration, and and Mark was like, oh, I, you know, he just like played it off and like laughed about it, and and the host was like, oh, well, she's right over there, and they pointed to like Shannon McRandall and said, hey, come up on stage, and she oh. came up there and like stood next to Mark Hamill, <laughs> and Mark Hamill and Mark Hamill was like, whoa, 
he's like luke must be one lucky man <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it's like because you know shannon mcrandall was a, a fit redhead and you know she looks great and and uh and it was just like a funny little moment but yeah you know like it's crazy because i was looking it up and like you know technically that's like our only picture we have yeah. of say luke and mara in wow. live action that mm-hmm. is a really cool deep cut you know these yeah man that that's that's a cool time capsule time when was this again it was like it was like celebration 01 or 02 is one of the earliest celebrations oh she wow because it was it was somewhere around there because she said mark was only you know like 40 early 40s or something and she was 25 26 at the time or something because shannon mcgran yeah because yeah, because I think she just turned fifty this year, and Mark's in his sixties, so like he's like fifteen or sixteen years older than her. But um, but yeah, she was there, and he was there, and and uh, yeah, it was like it's like that's such a cool little story. So you know, that's what I got into like the rabbit hole of that when I ended up purchasing that saber, just because it was like, hey, it was cool hearing that that little story from her. Yeah, no, it's it's fun to just go around and find these items and 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 buy them but then find a history about them and and what really goes on in in creating these and bringing these characters to life it's like it's yep. the intangible having this lightsaber hilt this this weapon that's only in the books it's only in books it's not seen on the screen but yet you have this tangible item that's why i'm so like get the high republic lightsabers more of them into my hands yep. you know uh, like that that cool bridge between the actual fantasy on the page to oh yeah it's you know well the cool thing about that is is like you know if a character from the high republic would pop like that for example like a really big pop in the fandom because you know among star wars fans back then and even to this day a lot of people you know love mara jade and like she uh you know she even joked in that interview and she was like it's funny because i literally have made an entire career out of one picture of me from the trading card game, you know, the picture of her from the, the, the trading card game. She said that one picture of me has made my entire career because she's like, I go to all these celebrations and comic conventions and all these things. And, you know, she's like literally turned that into her career, you know, being representing Mara Jade and everything. And the funniest part about it is um, Timothy Zahn didn't even like her at first. Like <laughs> he saw her and he saw her. She said the first time he saw her, she was like, he, she said he was so critical of how she looked. She was like, uh, you know, you're too skinny and you're not like attractive enough to be, what? to be, yeah, I know. That's what I thought. Wait, too. I was like, man, to her face. Yeah. She said, he said <laughs> that when they were like in the interview, he, he was like, you're too skinny and not like attractive enough to be, you know, what I'm envisioning Mara Jade to look like. And she was like, you know, she said she about like cried and she like left the office. And then apparently his like, assistant or, or whatever like really laid into him and was like hey you were being really rude to that that young girl like you need to reconsider like she fits pretty much the description that you gave for that character and you're you're like hardcore criticizing her to his face and then um apparently timothy zahn came out and was like well i might have like jumped the gun and you know i kind of overreacted um and i was being too harsh and blah 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 so like you know he patched it up or whatever but but yeah, it was just it was a cool little backstory, you know, in that interview I listened to. <laughs> yeah, Milton, are you a fan of Mara Jade as a character? Yeah, I mean, I well, you know, I like the legacy books, you know, of the New Jedi Order and the you know, Legacy of the Force. So I've always enjoyed that character. I like how they how they write her. 
Um, it's cool that Luke has a wife. I mean, you know, I, I think it is very dogmatic that the Jedi don't want relationships or discouraged it. But I like that they added that character because it gives him more depth and that, you know, everyone in the world has some type of love or relationship. So it just makes sense. And I actually like how they developed the character. She's a badass. I liked her the moment when they put her in the Return of the Jedi um, radio drama. I mean, they, they really heavily insinuate that Mara Jade was at Jabba's palace there to actually kill Luke. But they don't they don't ever say who it is. They just like it's just a woman that's talking to three PO, whatnot, and then all of a sudden she like disappears later. So they're pretty much saying like that was Mara Jade's first introduction. So I, I like the character. I, it was cool to see how she goes from the Emperor's hand to then falling in love with Luke and obviously being his baby mom. So I, I loved it. Yeah, again, I do not have much experience when it comes to Legends, so I'll leave you guys uh, commentary and punnetry <laughs> over over me when it comes to this character, because I've, I've read one thing, or three things, I guess, when I was 12 years old, and I have no real recollection of most of it, so... <laughs> right. Now, she was, she, she was the truth, like, I mean, Luke, that was... That was a character that Luke had a who he struggled with just because like she can hold herself together in the fight. She's very attractive. She's got that like vixen type, you know, personality about her where she's very attractive. Mm -hmm. She she can lure you in seductive wise, but she can kick your ass too. And that's why the Emperor was like, All right, you're gonna do my I mean, she was the Emperor's hand. Yeah. I mean yep. she she was the right hand at one point. Wow. So you know, she was out there wrecking people when he told her to do something, and Luke was obviously on that list. But somehow Luke convinced her otherwise, and they fell in love, and then boom, you know, Ben Ben Skywalker was born. Not Ben Solo, Ben Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the only Ben I know from from the books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, Phyllis Edmund, have you been playing any retro Star Wars games? Have you been? Uh, visiting any flea markets, anything like that over the last couple weeks? Um, retro games wise, I have been, but not Star Wars. Actually, I've been. I played Zelda. I beat Zelda oh. Link to the Past like a week or two ago. Whoa! On Super Nintendo. Wow. Oh yeah, your boy was wrecking that. Um, Dang, that's awesome. No, my my brother. Yeah, my brother Chris. I actually got him um, Star Wars Battlefront One and Two on PlayStation Two. Huh. Nice. And because I, I have him for I have him for PS2, so I got him a copy because he got the PS2 now too. So he actually was texting me, or he messaged me yesterday actually playing the game, and he sent me he sent me a video at one point of the intro. Remember the intro? I think Ben, you know about this. Is it is it the second game where they got the Tamara Morrison intro? I think. Um, yeah, it it's the second game. The yep. yep, it's the but second yeah, he game. He sent that yep. to me, and I was. Yeah, he sent that he sent that video to me and I'm like, yeah, this game still holds up. And mm. yesterday his his fiance sent me a picture of him playing the game and he was all hyped. Literally like in his little beanie sack on play, PlayStation 2. The game still holds up. So <laughs> it's that, you know, those games that were made in two thousand and some early two thousand are still being played in two thousand and twenty three by people who are in their mid to late twenties, mid thirties. So um personally though, I haven't played any Star Wars games in a while. Into a couple toy shows, haven't really found anything. Mm -hmm. I actually looked for a Luke Skywalker weeks ago, but nothing. I've been, I've been very picky on that type of stuff, but that's not has that hasn't really been my focus the last couple weeks. 
mm-hmm. when it comes to looking for like stuff at these toy stores. Yeah, so I kicked it off to you. I'm going to kick it back to myself here, if that's even possible. Probably not. But anyway, same kind of speech. But <laughs> when it comes to flea markets, I went to one today. That's where I was late for this darn podcast. I was at the Trenton Punk Rock Flea Market. I think that's the name. Um, but yeah, they have this show like every every four months. It's like three times a year or something like that. Anyway, so, yeah, I wasn't expecting to see Star Wars stuff there. Like, they have, like, you know, cool stuff, you know, uh, when it comes to, like, interesting shirt designs, and they have, like, taxidermy things, which is really kind of neat and creepy at the same time, you know, vinyl records, eh, a whole bunch of random clothing, obviously, a whole bunch of random stuff, but there were a couple toy stalls, and uh, it was funny because I was looking at this, and I found this backpack, and I was looking at this backpack. It had to have been from like 1978 or something. The guy was going to sell it to me for 15 but I have no use for it. But I just was looking at the design. And I, it, something looked off about this. You had Darth Vader. You had Boba Fett. You had a couple Stormtroopers. And you had Han Solo in the upper left of this backpack. And the, I should have taken a picture so I could show what I'm explaining right now. But something seemed off about Han Solo. And I was saying this to my girlfriend at the time. I was like... There's something weird about about Harrison Ford's likeness in this. I was like, yeah, I think his hair was like super short or something. Not super short, but but it was obviously the photo was taken at a different time, like a different promo. And even the vendor came over to me, and he kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, I thought the same thing. Something's obviously wrong with with Harrison Ford. So I, I don't know. It just got me laughing. Like you know, it's like one of those pieces of merchandise that wasn't like perfect because it's this different version of Han Solo. Like what is this in between uh, A New Hope and, and Empire Strikes Back? I, I don't know what the heck is going on here, but I thought that was interesting. I don't know if there's like any merchandise you guys have seen over the years that just is like, yeah, it's Star Wars, but something's off about it. The one, right. the one, mer- the one piece of merchandise I can remember that was off was at the time, and this, um, at the time, remember back when Phantom Menace came out, because remember it was before Mace Windu's lightsaber was officially shown. Oh, yeah, there was the Mace Windu. I think his lightsaber was like blue or green or something. Like it was on, it was on one yeah. action figure where it was a different color. It wasn't purple, and that was like the I'm only sure thing that really green. Yep, hmm. yep. That's the only thing that really comes to mind for me, like in terms of like interesting product stuff. Yeah, yeah. And his hilt was like plain silk. It was not this special. Yep. So and even um, even Jedi Power Battles doesn't have his right lightsaber color, I believe, because that came mm-hmm. out before his Hell of the Clones. But yeah, no, they they had a Chewbacca Kenner figure there at this place. They had an old school Rancor out of the packaging. It was a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, I know. Like the last couple of times, like I've been out, like whether it's at a vintage store or Target or something, I have like something in the back of my head always tells me go to the Lego section, whether it's at these convention stores or not. And like I said, these big like Lego pieces for Star Wars are sick. Like, yeah, I, like there's no way. I don't know if I would even want to buy one just because I'd be afraid to lose the pieces. And like I have to dedicate myself to put one together. Like yep. I, if I was going to buy a big Lego Star Wars set, I have to get something that's like significantly like big. And I, but I wouldn't know where to put it if I put it together. I don't have the room in my place like that. Um, 
but yeah, I feel like I would lose those pieces. But seeing those Lego sets are pretty are pretty dope. Yeah, I, I sent you guys a photo of one from Walmart the other day as I was stopping by, and they have a mm -hmm. executor like miniature, like it's small enough that you can put it on your desk, and oh. it's not going to be like too big. Um, and it has like these little tiny tie fighters that are escorting it. All oh, that is so cool. Again, if I had space, I would definitely want to have something, something because it's more elegant. I guess cause it's got like a stand and it's more official and super yep. fun. So, segueing to something else, this is this is funny. I just found out about this earlier today, so I didn't have time to really do much else but take a screenshot. But I'm gonna just segue over to transitioning to this. If you're watching live, no, your eyes aren't fooling you. That's that's a Wookiee playing a freaking guitar in Fortnite. Yeah, that's Black Chrysanthemum rocking out in a rock band. And you could do this right now in Fortnite, apparently. So <laughs> there is yeah. basically a Harmonix, Harmonix, who did rock band, partnered with Fortnite. And during the Game Awards, they like, Fortnite is like expanding. They have Lego Fortnite. They have rock band Fortnite. They have like Need for Speed Fortnite now. All part of Fortnite, but just different games you could play. And this this music Fortnite, it's like festival something Fortnite. Yeah, you could just go in with whatever avatar you want. If you want, like, I don't know, name, name whoever your avatar is. They'll be showcased playing guitars, playing different instruments. It, this took me back. I don't know if you guys remember this. It was more of a meme than anything else of, like, this old Star Wars Kinect game where it was, like, just a bunch of random mini games, And one of them was this... I'm flying solo or it was like a, some parody on one of the pop songs, but it was like they inserted solo instead of something else. So it was just Han solo song. I don't know, Ben, if you remember that, but th th that instantly came to mind as I'm playing this game. It's just, you're just timing things. It's like guitar center, a guitar hero, basically, or rock band. You're just timing your button presses and all the while you're doing it, you're seeing black Chrysanthemum just rocking out on stage. I got to take a video clip. I think I'll do that tonight as we're done with the call put it up on Twitter for everybody to follow because I I couldn't concentrate on playing the game because I was just laughing so much just watching this happening. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't really play that Star Wars Connect um stuff when that was out, but I've been hearing like good things for any of our listeners or viewers that want to check out like the Lego the Lego Fortnite. Like my my cousin's really enjoying it because basically what the Lego Fortnite is is you load into like you make a server with your friends and you it's pretty much like minecraft but in lego version on fortnite and you know you go and explore the world of lego you know you do all kinds of stuff you still have some like random skeleton enemies mm. that'll pop up and like chase you down and stuff but you know they're in lego form and then you have uh you know you can choose the different characters so like characters that are licensed out you know you have your like your basics like your darth vaders and your people like that like yeah you know some of the some of the basic star wars licensed lego characters are on there so uh so yeah, I've heard really good things about it. So um, yeah, for anybody who wants to check out that game, definitely go and check that out on you know pretty much all the gaming platforms. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about gaming in a few minutes here, but just getting through some housekeeping as always. Outer Rim Transmission goes live every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We're here breaking down the latest in Star Wars news and just commentary in general on our favorite galaxy far, far away. You could also listen to us after the fact on any podcast streaming network of your choice. Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, 
go ahead, search up outer rim transmission and please give us a review. Five stars would be the best. Thanks everybody for making our positive Star Wars podcast getting out to more ears out there. All right. So getting into it, we had a lot of releases this week, a lot of, and speaking of video games, Star Wars The Old Republic is at it again, the MMO that's been going on for over 10 years now put out another update, 7.4, this one is called Chains in the Dark, uh, again, I gotta, you know, it's not even Bioware anymore, it's this um, other studio that has since taken over the reins of The Old Republic, it's still underneath EA, Electronic Arts. Uh, but Broadsword is now doing the game. Um, but as far as the content in the game in this update, uh, it's free. And that's one of the things I was, I was thinking about playing against. It's a free game that just keeps updating. You don't have to pay them a penny. I haven't played subscription fee for a long time, and you could just get all this new content, like rebuilding the HK assassin droids and going to Ord Mantel um, and just getting into a lot of action. So good stuff there. We have a lot of awesome reference material going into the publishing that released this week. We have the High Republic Encyclopedia, which I'm currently reading through. If you're a High Republic fan or somebody getting into the High Republic, this could also be very useful because it's giving images, it's giving little descriptions, uh, times of where each one of these characters are. There are over 275 characters featured in this encyclopedia, so and they give you a nice timeline and everything else, so very much love this. There's also, this one I could show off because I have it right next to me. I was peeping through this Right before we recorded, this is the Age of Rebellion. Milton, we finally have another. We finally have another uh, reference material. I know you're a fan of these, right? Because you've been picking these up, like Rogue One and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So this one is specifically. I yeah, love. No, I, I like, yeah. Go ahead. I like those books. Mm -hmm. I need. To, I need. Have you Have you read that one yet? I haven't read that one yet. Ah, uh, yeah. It just just came out the other day. But this one is really neat because it's focusing on an era rather than just a single movie. So this, the Dark Times, uh, well, actually, yeah, Dawn of the Rebellion era. I, I think that's an era. But anyway, this is focused on Andor series, at least the first season. The Obi-Wan series, Bad Batch, and there might be some other stuff in there too. So I like the idea that this is encompassing a lot of other mediums, a lot of storytelling. This is written by... The story group itself. So it's another Pablo Hidalgo book. Uh, it's also written by Emily Scucani, who's also on the storyboard uh, story group. So I love just getting those little tidbits, those little information of tidbits that kind of enrich the the saga. I do believe there is actually a map, a star map in there as well. Um, it's just something we haven't seen in a while. So yeah, those are. I'm gonna say I've always enjoyed. Yeah. I've always enjoyed those encyclopedias. I think. It, it, it helps in the lore of Star Wars, especially if you're not like like a hardcore fan like the three of us are, you know, on this podcast. But like, even if you want like a good read or just to try to understand it, I mean, I'm sure if I really, if I could convince my girlfriend to read one of these books, I think because she has a little bit of an understanding of the movies that she's watched, I think if I said, hey, can you, let's look at this behind the scenes book. I think she will at least pick up on some things. She'd be like, oh, I've seen that in the movie. Maybe I, And then maybe there's more things in the book to expand upon that. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be good for a fan like that. Obviously, people like us, we would just eat up everything. We're like, oh, I know about this, but oh, my God, I want to hear about this, this, and this, yeah. and this, you know? So. Yep. Yep. Looking forward <clears throat> to learning more about these planets, the culture, the ecosystems, real nitty-gritty stuff like that. Uh, we also got a lot of comics this week, too, guys. We got <laughs> – this is like – 
Lucasfilm trying to get all this stuff out before Christmas to get people to, you know, get for their kids and all, or themselves, whatever. Uh, Star Wars 41, uh, disclaimer on this one, don't read this issue because comics happened and uh, the schedule's got a little bit ahead of themselves. So you're supposed to read Dark Droids issue 5, which wraps up like the five-month epic saga that is the Dark Droids saga. So for those of you that went to your comic book shop, you might want to hold on to 41 until the 27th when you read Dark Droids number 5. Yeah, it's unfortunate that happened. We talk about that over at Tractor Beam, which goes live every Wednesday. No, every Thursday over at the Star Wars Underworld Network. We're going live this Wednesday. I'll come back to that at the end of the show. Uh, we also had D-Squad number 4 finishing up that miniseries. And we had The High Republic Adventures. Volume 1, The High Republic Adventures continues to be something that just surpasses... Uh, the medium itself. Uh, it's, you know, it's meant for an all-age book, but these characters have grown up. They're like three, two or three years older, more mature, dealing with death, dealing with uh, strife and relationships. So it's a lot more than just a kiddie book. This is something that I read and I'm thinking, oh, this is another Marvel book because it's, it takes its readers, it takes its audience um, that much more seriously, even though it's for the Dark Horse imprints. Um, so there you go. All those stories... You can get my review. You can get me and Matthew's take over at Star Wars Underworld Podcast uh, Network over there and subscribe. And we're going to get into some publishing news. We're going to go through this pretty quickly. The High Republic Adventure Saber for Hire. This one is going to be based in Phase 3 of The High Republic. It's a four-issue miniseries written by Kevin Scott. Uh, goes up, it catches up with the character of Ty York, who apparently is behind the occlusion zone, the storm shield where the Nile have now kind of, you know, sanctioned off their own territory, if you will, won't let people in, won't let people out. So she's in there having to find work as a monster hunter, basically, essentially in the Star Wars galaxy. So looking forward to that. Something that I'm really looking forward to is a brand new Mace Windu novel that has been announced. It's called Star Wars Glass Abyss. I'm going to read you guys a quick summary of what this book is about. Uh, let's see. Okay. Wow, this is actually a pretty long... So hang with me here for like two minutes, because this is a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Jedi Master Mace Windu travels to a dangerous remote planet on a mission that challenges even his deadly prowess all to fulfill Qui-Gon's last request. The Jedi are reeling from Qui-Gon Jinn's sudden death at the hands of a Sith. Jedi Master Mace Windu's feelings about Qui-Gon have always been complicated and have not been made any simpler in death. While they often disagreed, Mace valued Qui-Gon's unique perspective, and their shared dedication to the Force made them allies. Without Qui-Gon and his unorthodox views, Mace feels out of balance. While considering his fallen friend's legacy, Mace is surprised to receive a final message from Qui-Gon marked to be delivered to Mace on the event of Qui-Gon's death. The message contains a last request, a plea to help the Outer Rim planet of Metagos. Many years ago, a violent solar flare trans transformed the uh, surface of the desert planet into a landscape of irradiated glass, as beautiful as it is dangerous. Now, most of the surviving inhabitants live underground, where rival clans fight to control the planet's limited resources as a young Jedi Qui-Gon protected the Syad farming clan from the planet's less scrupulous factions. The Syad practiced the art of dreamweaving, retaining their waking minds upon sleep in order to communicate and coexist with the wild creatures around them. 
Qui-Gon vowed to return if they ever required his aid, but now it falls to Mace to fulfill that promise. The Sa'id's leader, Kin Shan, Nightbird, has begged for the Jedi's help in freeing Megetos from the crime lords who threatened to eradicate her people's way of life. Intent on fulfilling Qui-Gon's final wishes, Mace travels to Metagos and infiltrates the enemies of the Sayad. But as the Jedi Master investigates the intricate web of adversaries and allies, Mace finds himself pushed to the boundaries of the Jedi Code, challenging his beliefs and his relationships to the Force itself. Star Wars The Glass Abyss arrives in bookstores August 6, 2024. There you go. Yeah, a little bit long-winded there, but I think we get a good picture there. Um, let me throw this up on, uh, I guess I can't, uh, too late for that. I was going to, I was going to give you guys a quick, uh, image of the book cover. Um, I could probably still do that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this is a new Mace Windu book. It's going to be taking place as we, as we just surmised after the events of Phantom Menace in between Attack of Clones, which I really like because I've even messaged on Twitter <laughs> the, the, the official Star Wars book handle at Delray Books. If you look into the timeline, when you open up a Star Wars book, you got the whole timeline. And there's been this one spot that's never had any books. And it's in between that 10 years of Phantom Menace and Attack of Clones. Uh, you guys are Legends Masters. I don't even think there's been any Legends books, really, in that no, era. Am not I right? Really. Not really. Not, right? not really. Not not anything like I'm huge. About to say, no, not really. Yeah, because <laughs> the only books I can think of is... Is Shatterpoint maybe? No, Maybe's that's actually that's books. actually. Um, I think that's technically Wars. right after Attack of the Clones. Yep. After Attack of the Clones, yeah. Okay, I'm thinking yeah, and then there's nothing after Phantom. I mean, the only ones I can think of maybe are the um, the ones with Anakin. When, when yeah, he was saying, saying. Yeah, and that's really brief. You that's know, not even like you know a I'm big, talking big, about. Big, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's not even like I forget what it's called. They're like um, I have them on here. It's like Anakin something. I have to look. You can keep going. I'll find them. But yeah, Anakin books. There you go. I pulled up an image of the the cover is pretty sweet. I like what they did with the cover. It's very subtle. Titles, but yeah, there's like only those I think. Yeah. The, the, Did you the, say I, I missed it? No, I'm just saying I pulled up an image of the of the oh, cover, yeah, 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 it's, and it's cover. it's basically the the Republic logo that like half of it, like the Jedi logo in purple, which is really neat, and then it's like the other half of the mm -hmm. Jedi logo is like the cape form that's like rustling in the wind of Mace Windu with his hand outstretched. So it's pretty cool. I love the primary color of purple, as you would expect from uh, the Jedi Master Mace Windu, but. Yeah, this is really cool. I love how they're playing on the idea of Qui-Gon Jinn and like we know he was always the Maverick Jedi and just this idea of a last wish to, to Mace is a, it's a very interesting thing. But I'm looking at this almost as a macro kind of thing and I, this was another possible title for tonight's or this week's episode was what is going on with Mace Windu and Candid Canon for 2024? Because to my to my knowledge, there's forced Star Wars Mace Windu books coming out next next year. It's like, wait, what? Okay, so you have The Living Force. Mm. Okay, that is a novel by Del Rey. It's out in April. It's not exactly focused on Mace Windu, but he's a large part of that. 
it's like basically Qui-Gon tells Mace Windu and all the Jedi Council to go on a road trip because they're being too secluded in a Jedi temple. They have to go out there like the Jedi of old and be with the people. So Mace Windu is a part of that story. Then we have a Mace Windu four-issue uh, Marvel comic series that's starting, I think, in January. And that's going to be, I think, in the same time period between Attack of the Clones and um, Phantom Menace. And there's also even a Dark Horse original graphic novel that's going to be coming out that's focused just on Mace Windu. So why is it that we're getting all this stuff that's based on Mace Windu in 2024? I know that they're partly celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Phantom Menace, but then I pose this question. Are we gearing ourselves up for possible reemergence of Mace Windu in canon? So they're re releasing all this relevant content knowing that when he appears, people are going to want to have new Mace Windu content to read. This has happened in the past. This is a trend that we see time and time again. And we know that even Samuel L. Jackson, Ben, I know you had mentioned this a few times, that he has gone all on the record to say he wants yeah. to be back in, in, in the boots of Mace Windu. Yeah, I mean, he said it before. Like, he posted probably two years ago now on his Instagram. It was around the same time, around the Christmas season. He posted a picture of him in a Star Wars shirt and said um, he, like tagged like tamara morrison it was like uh was like i'm coming for your head next or something yeah like, or you know and it's like it's like what in the world was that about because it was random you know it wasn't like it was like a sponsored pro post or something so it was like okay or unless samuel jackson's just thinking about star wars randomly one day so i don't know i feel like there's a chance they bring him in for something but it's like i i don't see i don't know where they would bring him in but but yeah i mean that's it's it's always a possibility. You never know with Star Wars. Like I always say, this is always my argument. If the Emperor can get exploded, anybody can go, can come back to life. I mean, he wants to be in a Mandoverse. I think Samuel Jackson would love to be having a piece of that pie that everybody's talking about, right? Bring bring Mace yep. into... I mean, he I would mean, have to look, be 30 I, years older, though. Yeah, but here, here's my thing, though. <laughs> Do we need to have him back in canon? Like, like when it comes to live action stuff, I mean, do we really need to see him back? Not live action. And now if you no. want to do an animation or like some comics or something, sure. Like, but let's be real here. If, if they do them live action, I'm going to watch it. Well, Milton, I think, I think where they missed out on completely was what they should have done was Book of Boba Fett. Here's, here's my, my fan idea for Book of Boba Fett. Why don't you, if you're going to have Boba Fett go the rule with respect route and stuff if you're gonna do that why don't you get him to that revelation by having the whole season he's seeking revenge on his dad's death or whatever like he hears a rumor there's a jedi surviving from the clone wars blah 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 he hunts mace down fights mace potentially like injures mace could you know maybe do a killing blow and then has like a change of heart or something and then you know that's what triggers right. his whole like rule of respect thing because like that's where they missed the opportunity. They should have had Mace be involved in... in they should have just reworked that entire Boba Fett show. Mm. Yeah. If they were going to include Sam Jackson. You're right. And, and I'm sure there's a creative way where they can infuse Sam Jackson's Mace Windu into some type of like canon of bringing him back. Whether it's voice animation or live action, maybe something with flashbacks. I don't know. But, I mean, is it needed? Not really. Now, I did see the cover of the book. The cover looks great. You know, and you're right. You're right, Chris. There's not many books during that era of the prequels that really expands it. Like I said, I, I did find those books I was talking about before. 
I do remember them doing the Jedi quest books for Anakin. It's like eleven mm-hmm. books. Oh yeah, just yeah, focusing yeah. on him and his training with Obi Wan, but it's not really nothing like that stands out about how the the fall of the Republic is rec- is occurring. You know, okay. it's very much micro focused on Anakin and Obi Wan's relationship. Yeah, we have even a comic book from Marvel, which is Obi Wan and Anakin, which is almost Anakin at the yeah. point where he actually tries to leave the Jedi Order, and then Obi Wan's there to kind of bring him back. Right. But um, I'd be remiss about announcing a book reveal without even telling you guys who the writer is. So the writer is Stephen Barnes. Legends aficionados know him as the writer of the classic The Cestus Deception. So. This guy is a Legends writer coming back to write canon, man. You love to hear this stuff. You love to hear it. I thought that was a great okay. um, a great pickup there um, for the writing group or for yeah. the writing you know, creatives on this. Yeah, this feels, this feels, just from the description, this feels like a Legends book. I know I see in the beginning, oh, I don't have much experience mm-hmm. writing, like reading this stuff. But like, it feels like it's so standalone, kind of. Like, there's no hint of trade right. federation there's no hint of sith it's just it kind of reminds you of shatterpoint a little bit where it's you know he's going to this one planet yeah. he's in, he's like an insurgent he's like i love the idea like they say at the end of this how he's you know he's pushed to the boundaries of the jedi code i want to see mace tap into the dark side as we know that's we've always heard it in legends and all that like oh yeah the vapod form that he has basically created kind of deals into the dark side a little bit with the power his power and whatnot so mm-hmm. that if i could get one thing out of these four different mace windu stories it better be give me some stuff into the shatter point and give me some like temptations to the dark side give me some vapod create some of the best dueling situations because we know him as like the best duelist in his time next to like count dooku i think mace windu is up there i mean he's taken yeah. down palpatine Unless Palpatine, eh, about to say. Uh, Palpatine might have let him do that too at the same time, so I don't know. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing, though, too, though. Let's the question we also should be asking because obviously, like, I'm not, I won't read the physical copy because you know I, I do a lot of reading for work, so I'm tired of looking at pages all day. Yeah. But like, when it comes to the audiobook, will we get Sam Jackson to do? Oh the my gosh, that would be one mm-hmm. hell of a get if they did. Because because we, I mean. Because there, there is precedent for these solo characters like Ashley know, did Ahsoka's. Have, um, I would say Ashley did Ahsoka. Sam did, you know, um, the the remastered of uh, Shadowhunter. So why not bring back Sam Jackson? He 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 has he has a great voice. He can play the same. I mean, he played Mace Windu, obviously. So I'm sure he can narrate that story and you know make it kind of cool. Yeah, so I it's very often they get the they get the voice actors, but I'm trying to think of have we gotten an actual like on screen actor to narrate their own not audio that I know book. So not not Star Wars per se. Now I do know like I I'm a big fan of the World War Z book. Yeah. Oh yeah, great great book. When. Great book. Mark Hamill. I mean they they have, they have a whole bunch of oh. top actors. That voice particular characters because it's broken down in different stories. I know Mark Hamill like read like a couple chapters. He had a whole bunch of other actors come in and do different characters, you know, within like those stories or chapters or whatever. So it is precedent of bringing like big time names who are on the screen to do voiceover. And mo- and I know a lot of that transition is happening because a lot more actors are seeing like there there's money in that p- particular genre. 
of voice acting and narration of books and that type of thing. I mean, it'd be kind of cool though. I mean, like they're owning the character, in my opinion. Like, I don't want to. He- don't get me wrong. I love Jonathan Davis and who's the other one? Um, Mark, Mark Thompson. Thompson. Jonathan Davis, Mark Thompson. Love those two. They're legends. They can read it. Hell, they they can put me to sleep anytime they want to with their voice. Eh. Facts. But like, if Sam Jackson or Hayden Christensen or Ewan McGregor or you know Ian McDermott wanted to like play their characters in a book, by all means, I'm I'm buying it right there. Oh yeah, like, oh, it's yeah. like Sam Whitworth. Sam Whitworth's a great, is a great voice actor. Like he, I need to get that version of Shadowhunter. I bet you he kills it. Oh, I love that book. That book was so good, and how it leads right into the. That's Phantom what I'm saying. Like, he is Darth Maul. He is Ooh. to me. I know Ray Park is a physical, yeah, embodiment of that character. Lee, what's the original character voice guy? Ray something or what was his name? Peter, Peter Sarafinowitz or Sarawitz. Yeah, Sarawitz. Yeah. Yep. He was the original voice, but when I think of him, Maul, it's Sam Witwer. Mm. Yep. So. Yeah. So we have people like Chris Forsyth in the chat claiming that, yeah, Mace should come back. So we would love to hear your thoughts. If you're listening to us after the fact, leave us a comment down, down below. Would you like to see Mace Windu come back from the dead with you know, electrified decay on his skin and a missing hand and he's out for oh. blood. Are you going to want to see that? Let us know and we'll get back to you. All right. It is time to get into one of the most tantalizing bits of news that came out or the most tantalizing bit of news that came out this week. And it's not news. Let's let's. I want to stress that right now. This is a rumor. It's a rumor, but it's a rumor from a very valued source. Now, Ben, you want to lead us into this one because this is yeah. a this is yeah. a rumor from the hot mic. Am I correct in saying okay. that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so the rumor. Before we get into the details, so the rumor, the the rumor story is, of course, the headline of this podcast. So, there's a rumor going around that the Mandalorian season four is pretty much getting very, very considered to be to eventually get transformed into a movie instead of there being an actual season of it getting released you know so basically yeah so that's basically what the rumor is mando season four could be turned into a movie and the the keyword here is being stressed could be like you know it's it's getting strongly strongly considered so here's here's an interesting story when it comes to this so you know all the news for this it got stirred up by the hot mic this week jeff snyder and john roca it's a Great show every Thursday. Jeff Snyder's really plugged in with everybody in Hollywood. Like, he has a lot of his sources, if anybody's, like, wondering. Like, a lot of his sources are coming from usually the studio side of things. Not really, like, like, like he's definitely a lot of the studio side of, of his reporting. You know, he scoops actors getting casted. He scoops, you know, he was the one who scooped, actually, the three movies getting announced at Celebration this past year. So, like, you know, he's yeah. had very good hits um for you know just everything in general um and especially star wars so you know this week he talked about a uh, a rumor he'd heard or not a rumor like a consideration he had heard from people behind the scenes like at lucasfilm that you know they're considering transform transforming the mando season four story into a movie and then the interesting thing that when i saw that i was like oh wait that's not like, you know, that's new news right now, but now that like the strikes are over and stuff, it, it, um, it's interesting. Cause I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, I heard this story before. Well, 
back in like yeah i don't even know may or june probably mm -hmm. it was probably four or five months ago um you know one of my friends uh jason ward from making star wars he's he's a, a very credible leaker as well and you know he had heard from some of his sources like he said some of his trusted sources at the time like he had heard the same thing that you know there's rumors that Mando season four could be getting turned into a movie. And basically what would be happening is mm -hmm. we would basically be getting more of a quote unquote bonus movie. So like we would be getting a Mando movie plus the Dave Filoni movie. So like, keep that in mind for this discussion. These are two separate entities. Like the Filoni movie is separate. Like that would be still taking place after this, you know, new Mando movie basically. So, you know, we had that happen back a few months ago. Now Jeff Snyder's hearing it as well. And it's interesting because, you know, you know, like Jason heard that back during the strikes and stuff. And then now Jeff Snyder's hearing it. You know, Jason heard it when the strikes were going on. But now Jeff's hearing it when the strikes are over and things are, you know, things are moving forward in the studio sense. So it's like if, if we're still getting that same kind of vibe, like Jeff's still getting the same vibe Jason had several months ago, too. That means they're really considering that idea of turning it into a movie. So, uh, mm. so yeah, so, so that led to Jeff Snyder and John Roca talking about it this week on the hot mic. And now, you know, the news is pretty much everywhere. And the interesting part about all of that is, you know, Jeff Snyder speculated that, you know, we could be potentially like, like getting that news out there by the end of this year or like, Whoa. you know, early early 24 potentially so it's like you know so he he pretty much like said like keep an eye on you know this news potentially getting getting put out so um so yeah that's kind of like the basis of this story is that basically we you know they're strongly considering transitioning mando season four into a movie and then we would still have the ray movie and then the dave movie and then obviously the the mangled movie eventually down the road yeah so, so. That's that's kind of like the the table setter for this conversation. Yeah, so we're just gonna go over positives, negatives. Are we for this? Are we for? Or are we not for this? And I don't have a clear idea myself. I like this idea, but I'm also kind of on the fence of. Well, it started out as a series. I kind of like to see it continue as a series. Then there's the whole connotation in my head. It's like, oh, is this? Does this reek more of like a corporate decision and less of a creative decision? Why is it this way? Is it because of the strike? Did that have something in, in to do with it? So I'm going to hear your guys' feedback because I'm still, I can't give an, a yay or nay on this one. I'll throw it over to you, Mill. What was your first reaction to hearing about this story? Okay. So I don't know if you guys can see my shirt. Can, can you guys read this? You see that as um, two Eagles fans. Yep. Cowboys fan and he's sitting in the urinal. Okay, you see that? What does that say? You can't fix stupid. This is a stupid idea. Huh. And this is why, in my opinion. Because you the Mando show is your most popular Star Wars franchise since post Disney. Or since since Disney took took over. It's your most consistently popular Star Wars property since Disney took over. And now I say that because the movies were up and down when it comes to popular popularity and, you know, obviously like being device, you know, divisive. I get that. But the Mando show, people love the Mando show universally. Yeah. 
why would you why would you break something that don't really need fixed? It needs adjusted because season three was kind of up yeah. and down. Yeah. You know, whatever. It needs adjusted. Why would you why would you completely wreck what you got when it comes to this particular series? Like it's a good it's a great series. I look forward to watching Mando. I've gotten up early to watch the episodes. Yeah. You know, that's what people look forward to. So like why would you then take it from an eight episode series to a two, two and a half hour movie when you, you won't be able to flush out all the great characters you've already built up? You know what I'm saying? So like why would you revert back? That makes no sense to me. I think keep the movies where they need to be to fill in the gaps of the shows. It's reverse. You got you got the shows you're creating that universe, then you got the movies to fill in those gaps. Why would yeah. you reverse it now and go back to the movies? And then like take out all the important stuff because the shows are dope because they give us the extra hmm. things that we want about these particular new characters that you're building, you know, or that you've already been building on. So to me, that makes no sense. But that sounds like Disney right now because obviously, look at Mar- Marvel's been slipping. That's Disney. You know, Star Wars been up and down. However, you've had a couple hits that've been consistent, like Andor, like uh, like Mando. Like, why would you mess with those properties that that are consistently working? So it's like. I don't know. So you can't you can't fix stupid. So yeah, it's like I really think it's dumb. I, nope. I, I wouldn't do it. I, I, I would stick to the original plan of okay, you got the shows, keep them like that. Build out your movie universe that you're trying to now reestablish with Ray as like the as Ray as a main Skywalker moving forward. Keep that separate. Just just build in the gaps with the shows like you've been doing. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's just me, and I, I could I could be completely wrong. It's almost like, oh, we need we need a Star Wars movie sooner in twenty twenty six. Oh, oh, we can make Mandalorian into a into a movie. I mean, it's only like three hours long. It, you know, it's, we can cut some fat of of the season and just make it a movie. You know, how many times yep. have we seen like there's like one or two episodes in Amanda season where it's like, uh, that didn't need to be there. That that, that I learned nothing yep. from this. So, uh, okay, so you're saying if we can squeeze it all, we can get it in a movie theater. Okay, cool. It just screams like. Disney trying to reinvent something that doesn't need to be reinvented, essentially. That's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. And to me, to me, it makes it's, it's not it's not logical, and, and it's no. I don't care if they try to tell me it's financially more fiscal. I don't. I don't believe so. Because again, look look at how the movies have been doing when it comes to like the la- like the major properties of Marvel, and even like with some of the Star Wars stuff most lately. Like like the movies haven't been hitting. You know, people aren't going to the movies as often. It's all streaming. It's all episodic. Like people, TV is better than movie making now. Yeah. Which is crazy. No one, no, no one would have said that 10, 20 years ago. Like I'm getting more substance with series compared to films. <laughs> Can like, you imagine? So, and here's, so, yeah. So you might as well go with that. And imagine this when, when somebody is trying to sit down and watch you know the mandalorian epic universe whatever they call it the maniverse can you imagine sitting down and trying to explain to your friend the order of what you have to watch things in like oh you got to watch uh mando season one and two then book of boba fett then you got to watch mando season three then ahsoka then you got to watch skeleton through crew then you got to go to a movie theater and watch this season of mando basically then you got to come home then you got it's like why why throw the movie in there? i like the idea of having a movie be the ultimate that's what star wars is built on you're going to build the series and it's going to end on this awesome climactic like throne exactly. throne epic level scale so it's like you're throwing in a movie before that seems like it's 
I don't know, it just seems out of place and unnecessary. Yeah, we'll see. With me, it's goofy to me. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. See, like, with me with this whole thing, I think, um, yeah, I agree with, like, a lot of your guys' points. But I would say, if you're, like, from their point of view, the reason why you do this, why you make it a movie, is, so, for example... Um, like the Mando shows, you know, all the seasons have a movie budget. Like, you know, they have 150, mm-hmm. $170 million. Like, it's a movie budget. But, like, you know, Disney's losing, um, you know, just as of earlier this year. I don't know right now. But, like, back, you know, back during the summertime, there was a report that came out, like, on average, like, last year, as, like, 2022, they lost, like, $28 billion in the year. So, like, you know, they're they're losing money on like the streaming service like the streaming services are just like bleeding money like even hbo max hbo max was losing like eight or nine billion a year on on their service which was the low which was the lowest of all things um so i think that's why it's like financial reason because it's like okay are we gonna we'll spend a movie budget on a show that gets us you know maybe a few new subscribers etc but if we do a movie budget and make a mando movie you know, in theory, if the movie's good, you know, we can make seven, eight, nine hundred million dollars. Because in my opinion, I don't think like this is just a whole an idea for a whole nother day on a podcast. But I don't think a lot of these franchises anymore, like Star Wars, Marvel, DC, I don't think they're going to be really hitting the billion dollar club anymore unless it's something special. Yeah. Um, just because of the state of entertainment nowadays. So, like, I think movies should like, you know they would be happy if they would hit like a 600, 700 million dollar Mando movie. And it's just, like you said, Chris, it's kind of like they're, you know, they don't want to wait till 20 May of 26 for Daisy's movie or December of 26 for Dave's movie. So maybe, you know, there's like Mando is supposed to be filming here, you know, sometime in early 24 or so or mid 24, like Mando is supposed to be filming here soon in the next, like potentially say minimum, probably six months. So why not transition that into more of a movie? So, um, you know, I think that's where that may fall on is like that. That's kind of their thinking of like, hey, we already kind of have things roughly set up. So why not just transition it to a movie? And like, technically, when you watch the end of Mando season three, like you could end the series on that. Like, it's kind of like Mando and Grogu having a happy ending. So like you can end it. They gave themselves a way out. They 100% because even like. I remember us talking about on this podcast when the show ended, we were like, okay, it seems like it's having another season, but this seems like it could be the end of the show. So it's like, what's going on there? So, so yeah, for me, I just think I would prefer it to be on TV. Cause it's, I guess my question too, really is like logistically, if you think about it, you're going from skeleton crews going to be, you know, next year holiday season. So you'd go from Skeleton Crew to the Mando movie potentially in twenty end of you know, maybe holiday season twenty twenty five is when the Mando movie comes out. Um so like it's just you know, we're how like I guess my thing is is does that mean Dave has to rework his movie if this happens? Because you know, like I said before, Jeff and Jason both emphasize, hey, this is a could happen. They're mm-hmm. they're strong strongly considering it, but it's not guaranteed. Like, you know, you know, take it for that. But it's like, does that mean 
you know, think about it like puzzle piece wise. So you have skeleton crew wrapping up. You have Ahsoka, how Ahsoka ended. Like, are we going to get a second season of that show? But the thing is, if we do a Mando movie, then are you going to have to rework Ahsoka season two if that happens to lead into the Dave movie? Or is the Dave movie going to be let <laughs> off from the Mando movie? You know what I mean? Or, yeah, it's a whole like, can of worms that you open or, up. Or, or, or like long term, like here's another way to look at it. Think about it this way. Is it going to be the Man skeleton crew, then the Mando movie, then maybe Ahsoka season two, then the Dave movie, and yeah. then another movie in like 2029 or something that is like the wrap up of these you know mando movies it's just like i I don't know where they're heading with it and you know it's just it's just confusing but i don't know it's exciting at least at at minimum even though we all like would prefer the television version at minimum maybe at least that means we'll get star wars earlier in theaters than not like that's that's the main positive takeaway for me um from this entire um potential changing of mando season four yeah, yeah, Milton, we understand you have to leave. So um, I'll have you shout out yep. ways people can follow you and the way they can keep up to speed. Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at MiltonWeber7 or Instagram at Milton7Weber. Um, yeah, man, like I said, I, I, I agree with m- most of you guys' points about the whole movie, TV series. It's, it's weird to me. So ho- hopefully... Whatever they decide to do, it's it, it's a hopefully it's a good idea and it's logical and it's still it's all about good storytelling. Yeah, that's that's what it comes down to. Yep. It can't feel cheap. It can't feel cheap. But yeah, we'll we'll see you next week for our big wrap up of the year, um, best of twenty twenty three. Appreciate everybody watching. Like always, I'll see y'all next week. Go birds! Let's go wreck these cowboys, boy! <laughs> <laughs> all right, may the force be with you, brother. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good night, man. All right. So, yeah, as far as now, let's talk a little bit about the idea for me of of how this could be a positive thing. And I think that's the first thing I want to bank off is what you just left off with is the idea of, hey, this is close to a Star Wars movie. Like, I'll be selfish and be like, yeah, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. But the minute they like make the announcement that there's going to be a Star Wars movie in 2025 instead of 2026, I'm all for it. <laughs> like, yeah, I was going to say, this is the thing at the end of the Yeah, yep, I'll go see is, it. This is the thing at the end of the day. Star Wars fans will be just like we are right now, where we're like, oh, we want a TV show, we want a TV show, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you see all the people online right now. There's a lot of people saying, you know, we'd prefer it to be a TV show. But... All those same people, if they announce, if they announce tomorrow, Monday morning on Good Morning America, coming 2025, Star Wars Mandalorian the movie, blah, 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 everyone's going to be so excited, and that's all we're going to talk about next week in the podcast. So, like, you know, people will be excited because it's Star Wars coming back to theaters. Like I've said consistently, I don't care what it is. I just want Star Wars to be in theaters. Like, there's no reason it shouldn't be in theaters. Um, So, like... It's exciting that we potentially could be getting it here a little sooner. Um, And, you know, and it gives them more potential time to work on the Daisy Ridley movie as well. Because, you know, they're still developing that movie and everything. And there's still a lot of moving parts by the sound of it, to say the least. Um, So the thing is, 
when it comes to that, like, in theory, anyways, you know, like, like you know what I'm saying, Chris? Like, the Mando stuff, they, they know what makes the Mando stuff cook. They know what makes it work. So I feel like they could get a movie around quicker and more efficiently than coming up with a Ray movie from scratch. So, um, you know, and then it's going to lead into the potential... See, see, that's... I can't even say it's going to lead into the Dave movie because is it? Or is Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew leading into the Dave movie? So it's just like, I don't know what's going to happen because, you know, if you think about it this way, um, in, in theory, we were supposed to be having... So 2025 was going to be Andor, potentially, and Mando Season 4. So now is it like this? Is it where we have, like, Andor maybe at the beginning, early 2025, like January, February range. And then the holiday season, you know, as soon as Andor clears the decks, um, because we have, we have Star Wars Celebration in 2025, correct? Oh, we, actually we do. I just talked myself through that. Yeah, it's Star Wars Japan. So what could they announce at, what could they show at Celebration 2025? A Mando movie trailer for coming December you know, December 7th, 2025 or something, you know, like, maybe they do that. Maybe that's what Celebration's about. Chris, you're muted. Yeah, I think it very well could be um, as far as, I mean, and here's another positive thing for me with this whole thing is uh, sometimes we, we, we nitpick here as fans like, oh, that could have looked better. Oh, yep. that looked kind of cheap. Ooh, the budget, I know they're they're strained, but they, they could have done better with that. There's no excuse when you're doing a full-fledged movie. I mean, you look at Force Awakens, I'm probably going to watch it uh, as we get off of here. So I do my annual, you know, decorate the tree, watch Force Awakens ritual I do every year. Um, and that movie still holds up. Like, it's just... It's just something about the movies. They have that much more budget. They have that much more teams of special effects artists that can go in and just work their butts off for a whole year or so to really make stuff look good. Whereas with the series, it's like, okay, you work by episode by episode and you have to just get the stuff out sooner. It seems like there's a faster turnaround. Um, yep. Yeah. Well, th well, that's... Okay, so that's like... Um... So I, I just listened to an interview with Stephen Amell. He was like on a podcast. He actually was on a a, a podcast with the guy who plays Lex Luthor from Smallville. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Um, so he was on there and he would, he, you know, they, he was talking about his career and stuff. And he actually talked about like on Arrow. So of course Arrow is much more low budget than Mando. It's not anywhere close. Like he said, you know, each episode it was like a $800,000, $900,000 budget type thing. Um, mm. But the thing is, even though, so their show was usually 22, 23 episodes long. And he said his turnaround on that show was they would film an episode and then they would have six to seven days to prepare to film the next episode oh and then the next gosh. one. So like, you know, it's a quick, quick turnaround for television. Sure. You know, CW was doing 20 some episodes per year on that. So, you know, it was like 20 weeks of shooting. Mando is eight episodes. So, you know, it's probably an episode and then, you know, two or three weeks or maybe two weeks and then another episode or something. So, like, you know, it's a, even two weeks is a quick turnaround for something. So, you know, like you said, Chris, like when it comes to a movie, they can, there's, you know, it's a much bigger team. Like, I remember seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff from Force Awakens, like mm. JJ saying, like, hey, we have like thousands of people working on this movie, wow. basically. Um, so, you know, you have, 
that sort of thing applied to a movie. And this is a, a positive, like another positive thing to look at it when yeah. it comes to this is if we do have a Mando movie now, you know, what we just talked about on our you know most recent podcasts, now Dave Filoni is going to have some sort of input on that movie. Yeah. So like, so that's, that's a positive light. Like maybe he'll be able to give a bit more direction or more, you know, guidance on that movie than Mando season three, because I really have a hard time to believe Dave was involved a lot, a lot in Mando season three, because him okay. and, you know, Ahsoka season, Ahsoka season yeah. one was getting worked on around the same time. Right. So it's like, was Dave really, really that involved? So, um, that's a positive takeaway fans can think about is like, Hey, Dave, is probably going to have input on if the Mando movie does happen, he'd probably have input on it. Also, looking at season three, we keep saying this Rangers of the New Republic basically got rolled into season three and it was an amalgamation of like half of a storyline of Mando and like a whole storyline of Rangers of the New Republic. So, yeah, while we none of us here on the channel really liked season three nearly as much as season two or season one. It's like, okay, it, just because they had that one time they stuck, I don't think it's going to stink again with season four. Here's another positive. And I, I have to disagree with Milton a little bit. He had said, like, oh, we need, we need a lot of character development. I would actually argue against that. I would say at this time in the story, you have three seasons of a show where we have Din... We have Grogu, we have Bogotan, all these characters that have been really fleshed out, I feel like, by now. So yep. at this point, you could give it a two, a two and fifteen hour minute, two a two hour and fifteen minute movie, not ha have a lot of action and, and still feel like you're moving the characters along because we already know who they are. Sure, they could introduce a character, a new character or two, but a lot of the groundwork is already there. So now if it's in a theater, you could have a lot of the spectacle that fans would expect. And what kind of spectacle would warrant them moving from the series on the TV to the grand screen of a movie theater, right? Like, what what is the storyline going to be? You had brought this up earlier. The, the season three, I my biggest gripe with that finale is why did it seem so much like a series finale and not like a season finale? What, what's happening? They tied it off with a bow. They're going to go into the galaxy and, and work for the New Republic doing mercenary work and, and until they grow old and die. Like, what what is going on here? So what do they have to introduce to warrant them going into that if that is the case like i always think of if you're star wars and you're on a movie you have to have grand battles you have to that's what the, it is it's not a little you well, know it's drama it's huge it's galaxy ramifications wide you know well well here's actually um that's a good that's a good idea that like kind of sparked me in this direction so, so maybe think about it this way okay so you have I mean, they would have to get really tricky with it. Like, Dave would have to really play some, like, you know, early, you know, Dave, Kathy, uh, Carrie Beck. They, everyone would have to play some really good Tetris with the stories. But, okay, so you have whatever happens in Skeleton Crew happens, okay? Um, and then the Mando movie, why not this? Why not make the Mando movie, Chris, your... <laughs> Everything's The Empire Strikes Back, but why don't you make kick off the Mando movie in theaters with an Empire Strikes Back-esque thing. Because as of right now, we know 
Thrawn is back in the galaxy. So why not have the Mando movie deal with Thrawn mm-hmm. potentially like taking over the galaxy, etc., 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 and then if they do an Ahsoka season two in between Ma- the Mando movie and the Dave movie, Ahsoka season two, you could have the little strike team because we already know like Hera is kind of on the outs with the rebellion, like or you know she's just kind of in a weird, you know, the weird relationship with the rebellion mm-hmm. leaders at minimum. So why don't you have Ahsoka season two? be like Hera and Chopper and Zeb and so on lead into and potentially maybe even the kids from Skeleton Crew if they're involved or something. Mm. Why not have them lead into and potentially Jude Law at that. That's another person to mention. Um lead into them doing a rescue mission to bring Ahsoka and Sabine back and um and Shin back and stuff and then you can also play off the Bale and stuff. You can recast him. You you could continue that storyline in that mo- in um in Ahsoka season two, have them bring Ahsoka and the gang back from Peridia, and then you have them back for the Dave movie. So you know it's a lot of moving parts, but I think you could make it work because Ahsoka season two you could just not even deal with Thrawn at all. Have Thrawn dealt with have Thrawn stuff happen in the Mando movie. Ahsoka season two would be about the rescue mission, and then the Dave movie connects Ahsoka season two mm. and the Mando movie. Yeah, I, I just want the darn game plan. Uh, like, <laughs> the way I look yep. at it is, you have two weeks left of news. I feel like either this week or the next week, and then the year's over because we know we we'll have like two weeks of you know as we all deserve holiday time. Lucasfilm's not going to be doing PR. We don't know when. We don't even know when Bad Batch is coming out. We don't know when anything's coming out, and this has never really happened. By now, we already knew that Bad Batch was coming out January 1st. Okay, we were going to get Star Wars the first month of the year. So, is it... Are, maybe things are that in flux, dude. Maybe maybe things at Lucasfilm, like, they, they are waiting to the last minute to, like... They're, 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 like, the office is on fire, metaphorically. Like, oh, crap, like, we got to well, get th- stuff well, nailed down because we, we don't know what's even coming ourselves. You know what I mean? So, it seems really late in the game to not know any specific date yet for next next year. Well, well think about how tricky it is. Um, you know, what like what I just laid out for say these things coming out. Like think about how tricky you have to get and detailed you have to get with the storyline for the Mando movie, for potentially Ahsoka season 2 mm-hmm. and then for the Dave movie. Like there are so many moving parts and pieces and then you still have all the stuff going on with Andor, which Andor I'm sure they're going on a holiday break. They're not going to be filming through the holidays. So then you have the Andor. Um, Andor will probably pick up here early this coming year. And then you have, obviously, like you said, the stuff about the animated shows. You have stuff about um, Skeleton Crew. You have um, Acolyte. That's another big thing. So it's like, it's like I don't know what's going on there. And then, you know, you know, you have like, um, you know, there's different whisperings out there, like, you know, the Acolyte may potentially be like Lucasfilm's main, main focus of 2024. Like it's like potentially they're like, you know, they're you know, the big show of twenty four. Oh yeah. So like so you have that. You have that, so it's like, are they gonna just focus on a lot of like say that type of stuff and then develop the Mando related stuff background and then boom, like I said, twenty twenty five come along, you get celebration and like something big. Like yeah, maybe they're I, like, hey, coming December, boom. Oh, yeah. uh, all I know uh, is that 
<laughs> I don't know. Once the Mandoverse is over, I don't know if Lucasfilm is ever going to do another like multi-series connected universe again because I'm sure they're just like, oh, we're in over our heads at this point, <laughs> you know, because like th think of all the drama they had. They, they already had the game plan messed up when a certain actor kind of got fired and then that screwed up an entire series. It's like, well, ooh, well not that's even like not. Yeah, not, not even the stuff with Gina Carano. I mean, look, Pedro Pascal's not even the really yeah. the body of the character yeah. anymore. He's pretty much the voice actor. Like, he's just a voice yeah. actor now, which is no... Like, to me, it's no big issue because it'd be an issue if he was popping his helmet off left and right like Boba Fett does. But, but like, because, you, you know, we never really complained about, like, Darth Vader not showing his face hmm. or, like, you know, not being James Earl Jones yeah, in the yeah, suit. Yeah. So like I don't have an issue with that. It's just like they're in so much flux with the Mandal related stuff, whether it be with her, whether it be with Pedro, whether it be with I mean, like realistically, if you think about it, Dave getting promoted is kind of in flux though, because he potentially goes from being hands-on with that stuff specifically to hands-on with everything. So like, you know, his role gets expanded a lot. And then you have you know, um the issue of to me anyways that like John Favreau's wrote a lot of Star Wars. He's he did a great job on Mando season one and two. Like Mando season one especially. Like like from the sounds of it, Favreau literally was involved in every single episode in Mando season one. Basically, even the episodes he didn't direct, he was there. You know, really there. So like he did a great job on Mando season one. But the thing is, at the end of the day, everybody reaches their breaking limits. I think on creative juices. Yeah. And if you think about it, Favreau has written or like really been involved in like i don't even know how much like 30 plus hours of star or you know 20 30 hours of star wars content he's been involved in more like yeah. live action star wars content than george lucas yeah. so like so you know th that's something to put in perspective like like maybe have other people help writing on on a mando movie because mm. like favreau's a good director but i feel like you know you should get some more people in there writing wise especially after mando season three and boba um so I just think they definitely have a really, not a tough hill to climb, just because, like, let's be real here. You know as well as I do, as soon as they announce a movie, or a movie's coming or something, it'll be, we'll be back to heavy Grogu in the media. Like, Grogu, yeah. Grogu, Grogu, Grogu. Oh, yeah. and like, they're, they're going to try to recapture that you know, Grogu cute stuff and make it go viral, viral again like it did back in, you know, 2019, 2020 range. Like, it's gonna, they're going to try to really capture that again, I'm sure. Because, to me, I think they could have popped off maybe a billion dollar movie with Mando if they would have done a Mando movie after season two. Mm. Because, you know, that was the height, in my opinion, that was the height of popularity of The Mandalorian. Like, the of The Mandalorian of... You know, Grogu being in, like, the cultural zeitgeist. Like, you know, we've Grogu was everywhere in Mando Season 1 and 2. Like, you, you couldn't go to any store or, or social media thing without seeing a Grogu meme. And now it's kind of just like, uh, Grogu's yeah. cute, but, it, you know, it's, he's kind of just another thing now. Yeah, it really... Yeah, like, going around a flea market, barely seen any Grogu stuff. I think I literally seen one Grogu thing in the whole entire place. Like, uh, some really cool picture of one, but... uh 
yeah, you can see you can see the decline. They got they got to inject. Not that they have to, but I, I'm sure Disney wants to inject, as you said, their cash cow, if you will, <laughs> back into the zeitgeist of the fandom again. Oh yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, both of us, I think all of us really are like, yeah, movie. We prefer it to be a series, but me and you at least better like, well, as soon as they announce it, obviously we're going to be excited and it's going to be fun seeing Mando in a theater, maybe, but uh, only time will tell yeah. and hopefully by the end, if it is happening by the end of this year, which is really only two more weeks if you look at it that way, uh, we, we will know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, realistically, we should, we may find out in the next couple of weeks or or at minimum maybe a month or so like like you said i just hope they announce a game plan you know like like jeff snyder was saying on the hot mic like you know it could get announced it could like you know again like you know for our listeners just emphasizing it could it doesn't mean it's going to so it just it really comes down to if if they don't want to leave us in the dark because like star as star wars fans to me anyways it feels like th this is Star Wars' like method of like telling us about stuff. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna blindfold you, um, tie your hands behind your back, put earplugs in, and put you in a pitch black cave, and have you walk around as long yeah. as possible, and until yeah. you eventually bump into the movie. Like that's that's pretty much what it is mm -hmm. because they because they just keep us completely zero dark thirty on it, like just not telling well, us anything. Uh, uh, can you blame and, them though? Can you blame them? Because they're so notorious for oh, announcing stuff so early. So if yep. we try to get mad at them for doing it this way, then we're doing ourselves as fans a disservice because they're giving us the benefit of the doubt and saying, okay, until we're like two months away from shooting, <laughs> we're pretty sure the movie's yeah. gonna go through. So well, see, that's okay. That's why that's why I have hope at least. If they do announce this movie, like they're not gonna go back on their word I mean, then again, we've seen it happen how many times now, but they're not going to, I'm saying it for like the 75th time, but they're not going to go back on their word if they announce a Mando movie. Like, yeah, you know, no, you no, can't, no, no, no. you can't go back. You, you can't put that toothpaste back in the bottle. Like if you announce it, it has to happen. Like that's like even the, um, the Ray movie, like they haven't, they haven't even finished the script on that or anything. So like they technically could cancel that movie. But you, they can't now because they announced they brought out Daisy Ridley. They did yep. too much hoopla and marketing, so it kind of like ties their hand where they have to make that Daisy Ridley movie. And like, um, like to me, anyways, when it comes to Star Wars, the only movies I'm actually like fully confident in, like, say if this Mando movie gets announced, then I'll be confident in it just because of this exact reason. So think about it this way: with the star with Star Wars. All the movies we basically had, you know, that kind of get washed out in the, you know, Star Wars announcing stuff and it not happening. Most of those movies are things that are like, you know, creatives pitching the ideas to Lucasfilm, like Patty Jenkins pitching the idea to Lucasfilm. Yeah. You know, you have you have Ryan Johnson pitching the idea for the trilogy to Lucasfilm. You have all these outsiders pitching that pitching the ideas. And the thing is with the Mando movie, let, let's. For just for this working conversation, anyways, say it's happening. So we have the Mando movie, the Ray movie, and then the Dave Filoni movie. The reason why those three movies would happen, or at minimum those two movies would happen for sure, like I am like ninety nine point nine percent sure, though at least those two would happen, because those movies 
are ideas that are coming from inside Lucasfilm okay. versus outside of Lucasfilm. Because think about it, like, you know, the Ray movie is a continuation, like, inside Lucasfilm. Like, they're yeah. continuing that project because, like, you know, you had a, 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 a big mixture of writers happening. You had Lindelof on it. Now you have Stephen Knight and um, Sherbine Shinoy Ch on there. You have, you know, so that's like a Lucasfilm-type project. And then, like, the Dave Filoni movie. He's an he's a Lucasfilm person, so like that's an inside baseball project versus all these other people like Patty Jenkins. They're coming from the outside pitching their idea. So like mm -hmm. that's why I have confidence in these movies happening specifically over some of the other ones. That's why that's why I'm not even fully sh like confident. Like those movies, I'm ninety nine point nine on, but I'm not even a hundred percent sure. Mm -hmm. I'm probably like. 60% on the James Mangold thing because see the James Mangold movie is very similar to like the Jenkins stuff where it's like he talked to Kathleen Kennedy you know like it's like him pitching that type of idea so like that's something to keep an eye on when it comes to these Star Wars announcements for like our listeners and our viewers is like always pay attention to where the idea is coming from and that's oh, yeah. that will that will probably lead to where if it's going to really happen or not yeah one last point for me is the idea logistically of how this would happen compared to a regular movie, you re you got to realize that I would well I would expect I don't know anything about Hollywood never worked a day of my life in Hollywood, but since they already have the series filmed like and they already have these sets ready and all that I would think that they could get this up and running real quick like as far as like the idea of like the production of a Mandalorian movie they have all the props they have all those directors there they have all these different creatives already ready to go the volumes there all that stuff so it's not like they're scrambling to make like the acolyte where they have to do everything from scratch because it's a new era right so yep. i would imagine that the pipeline for something like this could be turned around very quickly um and less time on developing visual effects too because you're using the volume so well see here's something to think about with that as well is it makes you wonder well, well, this will be the big. The, this will be the big telltale sign for um, if they they'll show their hand. So, so basically, whenever they start shooting for Mando, whether it be a show or movie, will they'll show their hand immediately. If, for example, if the production would get moved to Pinewood, that that would mean it would be a movie, most likely. You know, so like that's something to keep an eye on. Like, if the production isn't in the volume and it's it's actually at Pinewood over in the UK, then you know, we know it's a movie. So, like, mm -hmm. that's something, you know, that's a big thing to keep an eye out on over the next few months to see where Mando is shooting at. So, um, you know, we have that. And then, like you said, Chris, too, the volume, they can shoot in that. Like, you know, they have, and with them having a better budget, they could apply better special effects. I mean, look at the opening of, um, of Ahsoka. Like, the opening of Ahsoka was very movie-esque. Um, and, you know, so they can do movie type of things it just requires the right resources, basically. Oh, yeah. So I think we've talked enough about something that's simply a rumor. Maybe yep. next time we record, maybe we'll actually have some concrete evidence of this actually happening. But nonetheless, it's it's a fun discussion, at least I think it is, to talk about whether something should be a series, whether something should be a movie, the positives, the negatives. We we hope that we hit a lot of the major points. And hey, as long as you guys are, if you guys are listening, chime in to discuss that the fact. Hashtag Outer Rim Transmission, Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it these days. 
be a part of the discussion. Uh, thanks to everybody that was part of the live chat today. We had the Skywalkers Academy. We had Chris Forsyth. We had uh, Small Bento Secure. We had Aaron Daly. All of the people. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. You could be a part of that awesome community of people, that positive community of Star Wars uh, pundits and chatters and everything else by joining us live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Next week, it will be our last episode of 2023. We hope you could all join us for the look back at the year in Star Wars. That was 2023. All the highlights, the lows, the highs, everything. We're going to be breaking it down next week. So hopefully you could join us at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, ben, thanks so much for being part of the show. Yeah, it's always fun being on. Um, love getting on here talking Star Wars. It's always fun um, talking about some rumors from good credible people so that's always a nice a nice topic to talk about um so yeah it's uh i don't know it's always just a nice nice way to end the weekend and a really good way to like relaxing you know relax in the weekend talking star wars with with you guys and of course you know with everybody all our viewers and listeners it's always a great time being able to talk to people so uh so yeah i'll have that and then um i guess you guys can find me on x and instagram at real ben maynard i'm always on there both of those really talking about fitness talking about my workouts talking about my diet or you know sports or star wars or um or like talking about arrow because i'm just slowly rewatching that i met like i just started episode one well last night i just watched episode one of season two so i'm just like I watch like an episode a night before bed so it's it's always it's kind of like a fun rewatch um in the in this time of year just just for some nostalgia going back to the days when Arrow was on, you know, around these times. So, uh, so that's what I've been up to lately. And yeah, I hope everybody has a great start to their week. Yeah, you can find me on Fortnite and Lego Fortnite. Uh, Reckon Lego bricks, maybe, <laughs> perhaps. I'll most likely be more on Diablo this week. Uh, hit me up for my information for that. But for Milton, for Ben, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, this was Outer Rim Transmission, episode 132. Thanks for watching, everybody. May the Force be with you always. End transmission.